The title of the message tonight is Training Day. 5, 12, 19, here we go. We're going to start in 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 through 7. If you'll put that up on the screen. When everyone finds their place, go ahead and say Training Day. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Can you put up the slides, please? Yeah, if we could flow through the slides, in, the, the scriptures are in order already. So let's talk about what a good soldier looks like, right? I'm not a soldier. I'm a Marine. But I am a, I, I am a soldier in the Lord's Army, and that comes first. So just, just want to make that clear. There is a, a difference there. <clears throat> amen. Amen. Look, a good soldier defends his kingdom. He defends his nation. He fights for his commanding officer. But a good soldier doesn't, or somebody coming in and being trained up as that, doesn't know that right off the bat. They don't, most of the time, don't even know what they signed up for. So let me walk you through. Some of us in here are already good soldiers. Some of us need to learn what it means to be a good soldier. Being a good soldier entails rigorous, self-denying training. You learn right off the bat that it's, you need to be selfless. That if you do something, it's going to affect everybody else around you. If you're not fighting for the man on your left and your right, there's something wrong. Ultimately, our goal is to please our commanding officer. But if you're not fighting for the man on your left and your right and learning what it means to be selfless, there's something wrong. <clears throat> Training strips us down. It strips off the old so that we can put on the new. See, I learned this early on in my, in my Marine Corps career that the way I was, a nasty civilian, as they called me, could not last, wouldn't make it. I needed to be stripped down of my ways and be built back up. How much more so in the kingdom do we need to be stripped down of our ways and be built up rightly? <clears throat> Look, training prepares us for war. Let's, let's get that ingrained in us. Training prepares us for war. Say that with me. Training, Training prepares us for war. It pushes you beyond your previously conceived boundaries. More than being stretched physically, you're being stretched out mentally. You're being stretched out by your will, your, your soul. Everything that you are is being stretched out. And that's actually more difficult than the physical aspect of it. We learn these... these uh, these, we go through these trainings that develop muscle memory. This, this is a, a big part of the word, a repetition, a going over again and again and again in your off time, in that time of training, so that when you're engaged in battle, you're not thinking about it anymore. You're already reflexing. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing without thinking about it. You can't say, hold on, time out. I need to go back and pray real quick and figure out what to do. You need to be, the spirit needs to activate it's a kill switch. It needs to, like that. You need to know what to do. So we go through, we learn patrolling. You, it is. Amen. 
It's, it's, you, you learn patrolling. You, we learn physically. In the physical, we learn patrolling. Uh, we learn different formations, responding to ambushes, responding under duress. You learn room clearing. You go through these things again and again and again so that when you're being fired upon and the chaos breaks out all around you, you're just going through what you've already done and you're not, you're not uh, affected by it. <clears throat> Thank you, soldier. Yeah, yeah. Look, it forces us to move as a unit. And soldiers that move as a unit, that, that makes the enemy tremble. Yeah. We're singing about what makes the enemy tremble. It's a, it's a unit. It's, it's believers that work in unity and are effective in doing what God has called them to do. Yeah. David, David prayed in Psalm 144, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war. Yeah. He trains my fingers for battle. When a good soldier goes to war, he does it with full-hearted devotion. We read in Deuteronomy 6.5, the Shema, it commands us that we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. There's nothing half-hearted about that. A good soldier must be fully committed to the plan. Devotion with determination. One of the things we read in 2 Timothy 2.4, it talks about a soldier that wants to please his commanding officer. Yes. He's not looking for the praise of man. He doesn't want to get involved in civilian affairs. The only thing that matters to a good soldier is pleasing his commander. Amen. Amen. A good soldier, he watches for his brothers and the unity among them. He walks in a manner worthy of the calling which he has been called to. With patience bearing with one another... Caring for the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Isaiah put it this way. The word doesn't go out and brings nothing. uh, The word goes and doesn't return empty. The word goes and accomplishes what it went out to do. That's you, the word. Yeshua, the word made flesh, also did the same thing. He glorified the Father by accomplishing all the work that was given to do. When I think of an Olympian, I think of... uh, I think of an athlete that's been trained to the highest order. He's been elevated to the highest standards. And I, talk, I think about it, and I talk about it with my brothers. And I think of an Olympian, he trains with great intensity. He spends years conditioning and training. He changes his diet. He eliminates all his extracurricular activities. He focuses only on what's important, the task at hand. He changes his whole lifestyle so that he can compete at that high level. The athlete, he doesn't compete for just a medal. No, no, of course not. It's not just a prize that he has in mind, but rather it's the glory and the honor of his nation and his king. Come on, can you put up the slides again, please? We're going to have this verse. What about a farmer? What can you say about a farmer? Does he have a lot of glory? No glory. Very little glory from others. Very little glory from anybody around them. The glory comes from accomplishing the work. The glory comes from working 24-7 without nobody telling him what to do, but accomplishing what he set his mind to. The farmer feeds his nation. The farmer feeds his kingdom. The farmer is diligent, perseverant, patient, motivated, hardworking. He keeps at it. Nobody's telling him what to do. He goes for it. His training is his life. He doesn't have a, a nice little period of time that an Olympian has. He, he goes for it. He's training in his life. He doesn't have time to train. As he trains, he lives. Yeah. That sounds a lot like you. How about the fruit 
the fruit from his, from his hands, the fruit from the work of his hands, sustains him, his family, and his nation. That's a farmer. He plants, yeah. he waters, and in faith, he waits until harvest season. And you know what he does in harvest season? He, he harvests. Amen. He waits, yes. and he harvests when it's time. It is, it, it is actually very clear that we're not talking to you about becoming the next Private Ryan or beating Michael Phelps or growing organic food. We're talking about the kingdom. We're talking about a, a training that we want you to enlist. And this training is not from this world. This training is done by the Spirit of the living God. Church, I want you to say this with me. Say, we need to be trained up. 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 Can you put up uh, 1 Timothy 4? But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline or train yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What are we living for? What are we training for? Why are we doing what we're doing? Why do we need to live in holiness? Why do we need to live like Jesus lived so that we can accomplish that purpose, so that we can com- our, uh, please our commanding officer? We're not talking about the ways and training of the world. This is how Jesus surprised everyone. He didn't do things the way the world did it. He didn't practice it the way the religious leaders of his day practiced it. And they were surprised. How did he get such learning, it says in John 7, 14 through 15? How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? And Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. See, he was going to please the Father. He knew what his calling was. He knew what his purpose was. He knew how to accomplish what God has set before him. Amen. You know what? This doesn't mean that Jesus never studied Torah. It just means he didn't do it the way the world prescribes. That's right. his, even his disciples were noticed. They were un, un, uncommon, it says, or they were uneducated, unschooled men. But guess what? They were trained up by Jesus. Amen. And they were filled with his spirit of holiness. So while they're surprised on how they're walking, how they're doing what they're doing, they're still recognizing that, he walked with, that they walked with Jesus. Hey, this training that we're talking about, it's spiritual training. It'll only happen with the Spirit of God Amen. working in your life. Come on. To get into this program, you've got to seek the matters of above. You have to, you have to uh, mind the matters that are above. And it tells us that in Colossians 3, 1 and 2. The focus of our training is not to learn and be driven by our physical desires and emotions. No, we want to crush those things under feet. And we want to be led entirely by the Spirit of God. Amen. And you know what? You have the best trainer. The one that makes the best disciples. It's called the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of Jehovah. What do you, what do you lack with that kind of Spirit within you? He's the best trainer. You know, who knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? Yeah. Yeah. you got the thoughts of God in you if you have the Spirit of God. What about a trainer? You know, this is the perfect trainer that makes perfect disciples. And then, He's calling you to live above every circumstance. With the Spirit, you're able to have wisdom that no man has. With the Spirit, you're able to have thoughts, might, power that no man has. Yeah. He sets you above circumstances. This is the training by which the Spirit leads you on. But this training has the promise of fruitfulness. 
Because it's not just to train. It's training you to be fruitful. Amen. Yeah, so proper training and diligence is what brings about that fruitfulness. Can you put up Second Peter 1? The, the, yeah. yeah. May grace and Paul be... Uh, excuse me. <laughs> May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge... <laughs> Yay! <laughs> May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted us to has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire all that is awesome but that's a work of god yeah. rick tell us what our part is Hey, I want to look at 2 Peter chapter five, chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. When you get there, please, training day. Oh, yeah. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, blind. having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Listen, the key is not just having these qualities, church. They have to be ever increasing. That's the requirement. And if you are meeting that requirement, it says that you'll be, you'll be effective. Yeah. Not just effective, but you'll be fruitful. Who wants to be effective and fruitful in the house of God? Yeah. Yes, amen. So therefore, do your utmost. Make every effort. Be diligent. You have something to do according to this verse so that you will make firm your calling and choosing. So it's not firm until you increase in this. It's not firm. You're firm. Your calling and choosing is not firm. You have to understand that. This, this increasing measure will make you never stumble. And it will, be, it will provide you entrance richly into the kingdom of our king. Amen. But what does this training look like? It looks like a wilderness. It looks like you don't have enough at times. It looks like you're going to die like you can't bear it anymore. Amen. You can go to the next slide. These are God-ordained seasons and circumstances. This wilderness that we go through, this, this training process, these are God-ordained seasons and circumstances. Amen. It says in Deuteronomy 8, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Notice that the wilderness is a period, it is, it is not random circumstance, but very intentional. It's a very intentional season of preparation by the living God. It humbles you, it takes your pride away. It tests you. You face actual, extremely difficult challenges which expose your heart and reveal your actual interest. 
Because, there, because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But make no mistake, this obedience is expected even when you are hungering. He gives you food. He feeds you with food, some, with, with a food that you did not know. He feeds you with spiritual manna, spiritual bread. You suffer thirst for three days. And then and in Exodus 15, 23, we see he shows, he gives us, he shows us bitter waters, but then he, show, he makes them sweet water. Yeah, he does. This results that you would learn not to live by bread alone, but every word that comes from his mouth. Not by your own inclinations, not by your own imaginations, not by your own desires, your purposes, your plans, your resources. No. Our mission comes from above. Our purpose comes from above. Some of y'all know that this is very, very personal to me. Like I said, I'm a Marine. I, I, I know what it's like to have a mission. I know what it's like to be a part of a unit and to have camaraderie. And I know what it's like to come home and that be stripped away. God spoke this to me when I first got born again. And I need to be born again many times. He spoke this to me. In me, you have an eternal purpose. In me, you have an eternal mission. In me, you have an eternal camaraderie, an eternal brotherhood. That's something worth fighting for. That's something worth continuing on through the training. This spiritual training that stretches me way more than anything that this world could have done. It causes me to go further. Like I said, for the man on my left and my right, he is our sustenance. He gives us our resources. All this comes from the Lord. In the wilderness, something beautiful happens, something glorious. And I want to read about it in Hosea chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Ancor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at that time when she came out of the land of Egypt and in that And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me Baal. I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And in that day, I will make for them a covenant with the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and the war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast love and in mercy. Ancor means trouble or pain. And so when I read this, this is what it sounds like to me in times of difficult training. When I'm in pain and in that moment, God says, I'm going to make a path of hope. I'm going to put a, a pathway that will be right in front of you. You'll know which way to go. The wilderness, he'll shake your world and he'll make you his bride. And then in love, he'll clothe you with righteousness. And he has delivered you from the burden and slavery of sin. He'll become yours and you'll become his. And he'll give you a new name, a new robe, and you'll be a new creation. Amen. Amen. So we need to develop persistent traits, habits. We need to have the attitude as sons of God. Start by living intentionally. In Ephesians 5, it says, Do not be idle, but live with intentionality and aim, being wise with your time, making the best use of it. We're talking about bringing the choicest fruits to his house. Exodus 23, 19 speaks of that. He says to bring the best into the storehouse. 
Saints, don't hold back. You must bring your very best to your king. Amen. How about seeking the kingdom first? This is going to be a trade in all of us. You know, seeking the kingdom first is not, first is not subjective. It's not, it's not uh, to me this means first, to you means first. Seeking the kingdom first is priority over everything. Meaning, in the desert, you have one priority, and that is the kingdom. It is not anything else. You know, you have to understand that seeking the kingdom first for you is first priority, nothing else. You must develop deep convictions. Amen. You got to have deep, deep convictions, Amen. church. Me and my wife and my family, we've been sitting and talking about this topic a lot lately. Yeah. And this is how it works. I've got to get in and soak in His Word. Yeah. I've got to immerse myself in His commands. I've got to get into what He's telling me to do, and I must perform it every day. What I'm going to do is, is each day, every week, every month, I'm going to put it into practice and it's going to be repetition, repetition. I'm going to rep it over and over again. And see, that's how it becomes muscle memory for me. Amen. Rick's talking about living the word, not just being in it, but living the word. We need to be ready in and out of season. We need to preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with patience and teaching. Use it to train your senses to discern between good and evil. Use it to train others in righteousness. One thing that I believe we don't do enough and I'm training myself to do more is fasting. Mm. Now, fasting is when you uh, deprive yourself of the food that naturally feeds your body and you replace it with the food that feeds your spirit and supernaturally sustains your body and your soul. That is fasting. Fasting is not when you go out hungry for no purpose. It's not when you look downcast because I'm fasting for something. Fasting is your way of life in which you receive power. Fasting is the way in which you feed yourself with the food that God gives you. See, the, the food that God gives you, according to Isaiah, looks like this. This is the fast that I've chosen. To lose the bonds of wickedness, undo the straps of the yoke, to set the captives free, to break every yoke, to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless into your house, and to cover the naked. This is the fasting that He has chosen. This, is, this, this, is ha this has to pierce your heart if it's not how you go about in life. Because this is the fast that he has chosen. Amen. Yeshua, his food was to do, the, to do the will of the Father. This is exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, fasting is also a time of prayer. It's when we seek the Lord's face more fervently. Not the only time, but a more fervent and dedicated time. A time in which the pleasures of this life don't even have a chance. They don't even compare. Because this time is dedicated wholly unto our God. And if prayer and fasting become your lifestyle, your faith will be enough to even cast out the demons the disciples were not yeah. able to cast out. You will be more effective in destroying the works of the devil. We must, as good soldiers... Be faithful in times of duress. Hey, when the, the heat of the battle comes, we cannot shirk back. We cannot back up. We cannot back down. We must charge into the face of the enemy. Amen. Proverbs 26 through 7, it says that a man who speaks of steadfast love that is matched with actual steadfastness is rare. 
That's a shame. Let me tell you, I want to see men and women in this house that rise up and will be faithful, faithful soldiers in the midst of battle. Difficult times, hard times, whatever it is, we're going to press forward and we're going to get it done. Amen, brother. How about exposing yourself to the light? That's a good trait to have. You know, if you're a son of the light, you expose yourself to the light. You have nothing to hide. You know, and if you don't have anything to hide and expose yourself to the light, then we can have fellowship with each other because we're all sons of the light. When you hide stuff, what, I mean, if you hide things in your heart, if you hide things in your phone, if you hide things wherever you have to hide them, you're not exposing yourself to the light and you're not representing light and you're not a son of the light. I, I want to add to that, and especially to the young men in this church. It's easier to expose yourself to the light now, be judged now, so that you can grow up rightly. It's a lot more difficult when us as grown men, when you've got families, when you have more responsibilities under you to do that. You feel like you have to uphold a higher standard. Well, you do. But if you're not already practiced and trained up in exposing yourself to the light, dragging your sin into the light, doing this on a regular basis immediately, it's, a big, it's going to become even more difficult. Look, I want to encourage you, be meek, be at peace. And trust through the storm. It's not your own mighty hand that saves you. But in repentance and in rest you are saved. And stillness and trust is your strength. Because like your master, they hurled insults, but he did not retaliate. When you get insulted, do you retaliate? Maybe not physically. Do you retaliate in your mind? Do you retaliate in your heart? Jesus didn't. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued to entrust himself to the one who judges justly. Listen, saints, this next one is, it's a tough one. A good soldier must have joy in chaos. I'm going to say that again. A good soldier must have joy in the midst of chaos. Listen, I thought I had this one mastered, right? I was in difficult times and just whatever, you know, I was doing good. I'm rocking along. But you know what? What the Lord does in training, you might have mastered, you know, phase one, phase two. There's always a more intense level, guys. And see, as the intensity of the battle gets worse and increases, that's when your joy begins to wane. And that's where I'm like, Lord, you got to help me. Uh, I want your joy to be my strength. Lord, you must help me in this. Chris, Uh, you look like you know what he's talking about right now. (laughs) We read in James 1, verses 2 through 3, that we must be joyful in all trials, all various types, not just the easy ones, but the difficult ones, the ones that look like our family members, that look like our co-workers, our bosses. It must be pure joy. Come on. So one that we, uh, it's easy to disregard when you're talking about a soldier and fighting and going to battle is love and compassion. This is a, is this, if you have not love, what do you have? Nothing. Well, even as a soldier, you have to have love. Actually, if you go, if you want to teach to be seen, we're sick with pride and vanity. If we want to uh, heal the sick to feel powerful or to, I don't know, be seen, we're still sick with pride and vanity. If we go to fellowship, because the word says that we shouldn't disregard it, that we go to fellowship, but you don't go to fellowship with intent of love and compassion, loving your brothers, then we're still blind. Yeah. If... If instead, compassion and love 
becomes the, the root of why you do everything. Then you start becoming more like your father. If compassion and love drives your fellowship, then you are more like his disciples. Yeah, greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Amen. Yes, amen. That love is what drives you to go and die for your brother's vision. To say, I need my brother and my brother needs me. Amen. I want to walk through some scriptural examples of men in the word who showed that their focus was on their training. Who showed that they knew what their calling was and they sought through to completion. They accomplished the goal. They finished well. Let's talk about David as a soldier. Man, I'll tell you what, even up to last night and into this morning as I'm studying about David, I fell more and more in love with him. And I'll tell you why. Because David, I mean, he endured some persecution from the closest people to him. The only person who endured more was Jesus Christ that I can see from the scripture. David's training consisted of shepherding his father's sheep as a young boy. He faced and destroyed his giants. He worshipped to drive out demonic influences from his king. He clung, he clung to, his teachers, uh, to, to his spiritual teacher's leadership. Samuel showed him how to walk in it, and David clung to that and followed through with it. He learned to persevere through rejection and opposition and defending his life from his own family and those closest to him. <clears throat> his zeal for God's reputation and adherence to his commands caused David to be successful again and again. This repetition, this zeal for God's name, his commanding officer, for his reputation, it caused him to be successful again and again. Yet his training continued. David's training consisted of prayer. He was inquiring of the Lord constantly, acting on the revelation that he received from the Lord. He was a worshiper. He fasted. He offered right sacrifices and he fought the Lord's battle again and again. David knew that he was called and anointed to be king over God's people, but he didn't rush the process. He didn't round any corners. He stuck to God's training regimen. He stayed true to God's path for him and persisted in destroying all his enemies, and he established shalom for the nation of Israel. That's awesome. Don't we want to do that? Don't we want to establish shalom in our life? Don't we want to establish shalom for the generation that's coming up after us? We do that by sticking to the training that God has for us. He was truly a man after God's heart. And his strength and wisdom came from being filled by the spirit of holiness. In 2 Samuel 23, uh, David begins to speak. and, and, And further on in 2 Samuel 23, we learn about his mighty fighting men. And we see the awesome exploits. These were misfits. These were red rejects of society. And yet they seen a leader who, 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 trained, who was trained up well, who trained them well, and they're recognized. And they go down in history as mighty warriors. Amen. And it says, God exalted David. And, he humbled, and David humbled himself. He picked himself up after failure and devoted himself to the training. God raised up an army like his own to surround and fight for David. His life ended, his accomplishment was setting uh, Solomon up for success with a kingdom in right shalom. When I think of an athlete, I think of no finer example than the Apostle Paul. We read in Acts 26, we hear and we, we see that his training, it started on the road to Damascus. It started with a heavenly vision 
The vision told him that he'd be sent to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. He'd open their eyes and they'd turn from darkness to light. Sounds just like a finish line to me. (laughs) Paul, he then spent the next 14 years in the desert of Arabia. He was in training. He was developing and conditioning. He was learning the right understanding of God's purposes. And he was receiving clear direction on how he would go and accomplish this mission. Paul was then launched from those starting blocks. And over the next 30 years, Paul, he ran his race. And he endured many hardships. 2 Corinthians speaks in uh, chapter 11, verse 24, talks of those hardships. It says he received 39 lashes five times. It says that he was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was beaten. He was even cursed by his own countrymen. But you know what? He didn't give up. He kept running. Nothing would slow this man down. He had purpose in his gait. And let me tell you, Paul was a man of passion and commitment, and nothing would deter him from his path. He was going to complete his race. If anything else mattered, that was the one thing. A man on a mission declared in 2 Timothy 4, 7. He says, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the course. Who wants to finish their course and their life tonight? You got to get into the training. You must immerse yourself into this training. It matters. Come on. When I think about a farmer, uh, the one that impacts me the more is Joseph. And uh, Joseph has a lot of characteristics that look like Yeshua, like Jesus. And, uh, you know, Joseph was given a dream at 17 years of age of greatness. The moon and the stars, and the moon, the sun, and the stars would bow at him. And you know what happened pretty closely to that? His brothers sell him into slavery. His own brothers. Now, tell me how that greatness dream looks like right now for you. You know what I mean? You, you, you were given a calling. You were given a mezuzah. You were given a purpose. You were given everything. And then you have to face some real trouble. Then, I hope not, but some brothers may turn against you. Maybe the fleshly brothers, right? Those brothers that don't watch for the things of the Spirit, they may turn against you. The, the, the brothers that are in the Spirit, they will lift you up. But that was not the case with Joseph. Joseph sold into slavery at 17 years of age or so. He started getting some hope through Potiphar. And what happens next? He gets accused of molesting his boss's wife. That's, it, gets no, it gets no more humiliating when you try to keep up proper character. When you have a, a, a dream of, that God himself has put into your mind, into your heart. You know that something's happening. You know that you're moving forward. You know that you have a calling. And then hell starts breaking loose. You start being humiliated beyond measure. That's li- Joseph's life. Now he's... Faithful through all this. That's what impacts me the most. Because when I lose discouragement, when, I, when I'm discouraged, that's when I fall. When I don't have a proper vision of where I'm heading, that's when you, it's those, those uh, cloudy days those, you, that you don't, you don't know what's happening, and that's when you fall. That's when your mind starts going astray. But no Joseph, not Joseph. The Potiphar's wife comes and he runs at the, in the midst of temptation. That is a faithful person. And you know what happened? That through all this humiliation, he was being prepared for glory. He was being prepared to sit at the right hand of the king of Egypt. He was being prepared through all this humiliation. It gives sense and purpose to the struggles in the midst between the dream and the greatness that you call for. This is what Joseph went through. And you know what happened at the end? Like Yeshua, he forgives his brothers. 
Like Yeshua, he brings them in. He takes them in. Not for the benefit of only his Jewish brothers, but for the benefit of the Gentiles, Egyptians. So, can you put up uh, Luke 6.40? You know, um, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. You have, this is, uh, this should be the most convicting verse for you, if you haven't engaged in training. And if you have engaged lightly, this should still be convicting for you. And if you're not like your master yet, then this should still be convicting for you. Because he's not calling you to be like anybody else in this room. He's calling you to be like his master. He's calling you to put your eyes on him. That you may do the things that he did on earth. This is your calling, to be like him. Why do you want to be like him? Because those who are faithful get to do what his desire is, which is destroy the works of the devil. You want to bring a kingdom for him. You want him to receive the reward of his suffering. You want him to receive everything, all the glory that he bought you for. That's what you want him to do. And you cannot do that unless you become like him. This feeble man going through training will not accomplish what Yeshua wants to accomplish through me unless I, I, I engage and I really discipline and I'm diligent with the training that he's putting me through. And this is wilderness period. That's where this happens. If you haven't noticed, each of the men that we spoke about went through tremendous trials. And that prepared them for the authority that they were about to receive. So let's start by executing your sin instead of excusing it. You can never receive the empowerment of the obedient son until you have come face to face with the cost that obedient son paid. Your repentance to sin, you pledge yourself to holiness to receive the empowerment to do his desire. Die with him now that you might live with him for eternity. If you're going to be committed to spiritual training, you have to approach it with complete, utter abandonment. You must stick to the way above all else. You must be totally devoted, total devotion you can't have grumbling. You must add joy and peace to it. You've got to trust the process. And you cannot keep your eyes on the flesh. You can't keep your eyes in front of you. You must post your eyes to the heavens, onto the Creator, to the Father, and you must keep them there. Just in the same way, you start looking at the waves, you will fall. You must continue looking at the Commander. See, the, the wilderness is not, a, um, it's not an option for you. The training is not an option for you. This wilderness period, every son of God has to go through. Amen. See, and, only, and the people, the, the, the children that he's uh, freed, if they keep their minds on the Egypt that they have supposed to be left behind, if they keep their minds on the things of the flesh, if they grumble when they're thirsty, if they grumble when they're hungry, if they grumble at their authority, if they grumble at everything around them, at the manna that he brings, at, if they grumble, if they don't stick and they're diligent, they don't even get the privilege of fighting for the promised land. See, they die in the wilderness. But the men that don't do that, the men that, the men that set their minds above, they fight, 
They inherit the promises and they fulfill the calling that's set before them. See, this is the men that go through this are men that then are set on solid ground, that are set on a rock. Is that for you, for you only, this looks like a son conformed to the perfect image of his son. This looks like a son of God that's led by the Spirit constantly. Constantly. Not whenever you feel convicted by the preaching. Not whenever you're uh, in, 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 a, in the midst of a worship. Constantly seeking the things above. The Spirit guiding you in everything in your life. Never leaving it. This is what happens when you submit yourself to the training by the Spirit. Pleasing the Father is just one aspect of it. The best part of it really is what you get to do for your brothers, what you get to do for your co-workers, what you get to do people in the grocery store, because you get to see the captives set free. You get to see, you get to see the kingdom of God being advanced in, your, in, in everywhere that you step. That is the most amazing part of this. Being a good soldier, you can see what God will accomplish through you and others. See? You may not see it, but there are people right now that depend on you being properly trained. There are people right now, not even here, outside, everywhere you meet them. See, God is expecting you to walk in authority to heal the sick. He's expecting you to walk in that kind of authority. He's expecting you to know how you should approach every situation and to place His finger of the kingdom of God upon every situation that He calls you to. But if you're not properly trained, you won't even be able to listen to His voice. You won't even be able to, when you, when you know, actually, when I know that I have the conviction to bring His authority, and I'm not even able to, because I have not stuck to the training. See, that is convicting, and I don't want us to be in that. See, if there's an army rising up, Amen. if there's an army rising up, it's an army of properly trained men and women. It's an army of selfless lovers of God. It's an army of the ones that He's calling to greatness. It's an army that will respond when called to. It's an army that will take his kingdom and abolish, demolish the kingdom of devil. So where are you at tonight? Where are you at in your training process? You need to understand that training and fighting in the the spirit and in the kingdom of God is a continual thing. You don't get a whole year to work up like you do in the the world, in, in the armies of the world. You get time to train up. And, and time to, to be built up and go fight. We're being trained up and we're fighting every single day. We're putting this into practice every single day. Some of you in here haven't even gotten out of boot camp yet. You haven't even graduated yet. What looks like trials, what looks like struggles, what looks like battles for you is actually self-inflicted wounds that keep you going through the cycle of boot camp. You get passed on to the next one and the next one while others are going on and they're getting better training and they're going further and they're increasing. Some of you made it through. Congratulations. You made it through boot camp. But you're riding on somebody else's coattails. You're letting the hard chargers go ahead of you. They're absorbing the bullets. They're absorbing the impact. You might catch a stray bullet or some shrapnel every now and again. But are you really engaged in the war? Are you really there? Look, if you're executing this well and you're training and you're fighting daily, remember, the training doesn't stop. If you're war-torn, the training doesn't stop. You've got to continue to go through it. The Lord wants us to increase in these things. Tonight, I want you all to grab hold of your calling. I want you to dedicate yourself to the training God has you in right now. Because we're not all going through the same training. 
But if you dedicate to the training that the Lord has you in right now, in this season, you will grow up in it. You will increase and become a valuable asset in expanding God's kingdom here on this earth. When we were in the back, I was. Uh, this is something we, we talked about, and there was a video, but the video doesn't matter. What matters is how my battalion commander's speech impacted me. Before I went down into southern Afghanistan, he sat us down and he talked with us, 180 men, and he did this with other companies as well. But he told us, we're sending you in the furthest. You've been chosen to go the furthest into enemy territory. You're behind enemy lines. Your, your mission is to cut off enemy supply routes. Your mission is to set the local populace free. Is that not our mission? Yes. Are we not supposed to set captives free? Yes. How awesome is it when our battalion commander says, You, I've chosen you to do this. How awesome is it when you actually cling to that and you've been trained up for it so that you can actually go and execute it? Amen. I remember he said, You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. All right? You keep your focus on the mission to set people free, to set the captives free. And remember, you're experts. This is what he said. You're experts in the application of violence. Now, that sounds kind of crazy, right? But doesn't the word say that the kingdom of heaven has been, uh, has been subjected to violence and forceful men have been getting into the kingdom? Do we want to get the fullness of what God has called us to? Then we must dedicate ourselves to the training. The, the, the enemy no longer has a grip on us. If you're, not, if you're not confident, it's because you're not putting these things into practice. When you actually do start to practice these things, fasting, praying, worshiping, being joyful, fighting for others, healing the sick, putting yourself out there, being stretched out, you're actually confident to speak on these things. You're actually confident to train others up in this way. It's going to take sleeplessness. It's going to take hunger. It's going to take thirsting. It's going to take being uncomfortable. It's going to take being rejected. It's going to take going into the wilderness like a crucible. But guess what? Kings are made in the desert. Y'all remember that? Kings are made in the desert. That is how we walk fully in our purpose. Can I put one scripture up? Joel 2. If you'll go to Joel 2, start in verse 7 for me. It's kind of off the hip, but I'm reminded of it. They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from their course. Next verse. They do not jostle each other. Each marches straight ahead. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along the wall. They climb into the houses like thieves. They enter through the windows. Before them the earth shakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders at the head of His army. His forces are beyond number, and mighty is the army that obeys His command. The day of the Lord is great and dreadful. Who can endure it? We are that army. We are that army rising up, moving without jostling one another, moving without setting each other in course, moving with a sense of purpose, moving as a unit, and staying in step with what God has called us to. So I want to encourage you tonight. If you need to, if you need to be prayed for because you don't know what your purpose is, you don't know what your calling is, and how to walk in it, come up and get prayed for. If you're not even 
engaged in training whatsoever. You're that guy that keeps inflicting himself so that you can't move forward. Come up and repent and get prayed for to move forward. If you are tired and wore out because you've been doing this for a long time, come up and get prayed for so that you can continue to fight and train others up in his righteousness. Come on, as an army, let's rise to our feet tonight. You've heard the call from these men. Uh, Megan, would you put up Genesis 14, 14? When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 men, the 318 fully trained men, born in his household and went as far as pursuit as Dan. What's great about this story, as you know, is that as Abram has a place, he has 318 men, and all he has to do is point, and they're able to go engage in battle. Are you ready to engage in battle? Are you ready to be fully trained so that you may be exactly like your teacher? Then raise your hands up now. Mighty God, we come before you. We want to be a group of people that are fully trained in your presence. That everything about our lives reflects that you are at work. That your mighty word is in us. Lord, that we are developing weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Lord, raise up a group of warriors. Lord, we don't just want to sing about an army rising up. We want to be the army that's rising up. Lord, be our king. Be our commanding officer. May we not concern ourselves with civilian affairs. Lord, may we go after you tonight with all that we have with all that we are. Lord, putting everything else aside, wholeheartedly devoting ourselves to you, Lord. We raise up our hearts. We raise up our hands to you now. God, be glorified in this place through us, your army, in Jesus' name.